Hello, and welcome to the Self Project Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Martin, and I'm a life mindset and human design mentor who is all about helping you heal and rediscover your authentic self so you can go out and do some really epic stuff. So this podcast is going to be all about spirituality, self-empowerment, self-discovery, wellness, healing, parenting, sobriety, mental health, you name it, we're going to talk about it. This is all about helping you along in your own self-project journey. So go ahead and let's sit back and dive right in. I want to welcome to the show today, Heather Ryder. And Heather is an anxiety coach and imposter syndrome educator who personally overcame high-functioning anxiety and imposter syndrome while working in a demanding tech job. Um, So she now works with people in helping them take a non-traditional holistic approach to healing anxiety. So Heather, I just have to say thank you so much for giving your time to be here to share with us today. I think that um, anxiety, especially like you say high functioning anxiety affects more people, more women than we even know, because, um, you know, we're functioning with it. Like you, like you said, we realize we probably have this anxiety, but we can function. It's not really impeding day to day life. So, you know, am I doing okay? So Heather, I would really love to turn it over to you and just, um, kind of have you introduce yourself and just share more about yourself with us and what it is that you do. Well, thank you. Uh, yes, as you mentioned, I personally overcame high functioning anxiety and imposter syndrome, which was quite the journey. And through that experience of overcoming those two things, I now coach other people who have typically tried a lot of other things to help heal their anxiety that haven't really worked for them. So they come to me to, you know, tackle it from a different approach. And you know, my struggles with those two things um, were really challenging. And even when I tell you my story, it probably can't fully convey what it was like, you know, because when you have uh, anxiety and imposter syndrome, you're like kind of trapped in your head. And a lot of the time, um, you don't know that other people are struggling like you are, which was the case for me. When I had high functioning anxiety, I didn't know that it had a name. I actually didn't even know that I had anxiety. Um, I just thought I was stressed out all of the time. When I had imposter syndrome, it was the same thing. I didn't know that it had a name. I had never heard of it. I know that it's becoming more common now in 2021, but this was back um, about seven years ago. And so I just don't think it was as well known as it is now. So I had never heard of it. And so when you're in these moments of feeling like you're just trapped inside of your head, um, it's great to know even though it sounds kind of like, well, why do you want other people to suffer? It's not that you want them to suffer, but when you realize that other people are going through the same thing, I don't know, it just sort of normalizes it. So that's why I really want to, you know, spread the message of this, Christy. So Well, I know that we, um, when we originally talked, we thought about going the route of imposter syndrome, but for now, I'm actually kind of feeling called if we could kind of talk more about the high functioning anxiety. Um, I would love to kind of know your story. What made you realize that you 
needed to make some changes when you were dealing again with the same high anxiety and the imposter syndrome. I know you said you were in a demanding tech job. Are you still in that job? Did you have to leave that job to start making changes? <laughs> uh, I didn't have to leave the job to start making changes. So um, I left the job far after I had healed. Um, and that's when I decided to do the work professionally because my life was so radically changed and transformed that I realized my journey was designed to help other people. But, you know, to sort of backtrack, um, looking back, I think that I had high functioning anxiety for at least 10 years. I'm not exactly sure because whatever I thought anxiety looked like, I didn't think that I had it. I did have a panic attack one time in my life, but that was very, very situational, right? So I wasn't commonly having panic attacks. I guess I thought that was, you know, if somebody had anxiety, they were having panic attacks, um, right? So it's like, if you sort of have these check boxes in your mind about what you think anxiety looks like, high functioning anxiety does not look that way at all. And in fact, from the outside, I looked really calm. And I used to hear that from people a lot, like, oh, Heather, you're so calm. You're so laid back. And I would think, what are they talking about? <laughs> because on the inside, my mind was a hot mess. I mean, I would be, what I now know is called ruminating. At the time, I didn't know it was called rumination. I would think about things over and over and over. And I, when I say think about things, I mean, sometimes for two weeks, right? Sometimes three weeks. So a specific incident would happen like a, a everyday normal occurrence. And in my mind, I would get stuck about like, oh gosh, I should have said this. I should have done that. And if I had said this, then they would have said this. And if they had said that, then I could have said this, right? Just like completely changing what happened in my mind as if I could like do it over and like have a redo, you know, sort of thing. And if I wasn't doing that, I was thinking about the future. I would worry about everything, like every possible thing that could go wrong or things that I wanted to happen. And so I am very future oriented in thinking about like, I need to get from point A to point B, which is a strength, particularly when you're working in technology, but I would be doing it about personal things, about work things, and I would be making like contingency plans in my life that, okay, if this happens, I could respond this way, this way, or this way. And if that doesn't happen, then this other thing could happen. And if that happens, I could respond this way, this way, or this way, right? So it's like really trying to control any possible outcome to anything in my life. And so that's called future tripping, by the way. So the point of all of this is like, I wasn't present in the moment. Like my brain would operate like on multiple layers. I would look really calm if I were talking to you, but in this other layer of my mind, my mind was like racing and churning. And this caused all sorts of problems. It caused relationship with problems with my daughters. I, um, to say I was short tempered is an understatement. Um, I had insomnia a lot of the time I could fall asleep, but I couldn't stay asleep because the second I would wake up, which, you know, we wake up many times throughout the night. That's normal. The second I would even start to come out of sleep, like, bam, I'd be awake for like three or four hours. 
And so the, the cut it all down of like how I got out of this path was I actually wound up getting very sick. I had a severe autoimmune reaction um, because when you are in a heightened chronic stress response like that, your cortisol level is constantly elevated and it burns out your nervous system. And that's what happened with me. So I got very, very sick. And when that happened, that was my way out because I wanted to heal my physical body. And I knew that a holistic approach was the way to do that. And when I started to, to address my physical body, I actually wound up getting emotional healing that I didn't even know that I needed. It was like, my body was so far gone that it was like all the ways that I had been just didn't work anymore. And I was so far gone. It was like, things absolutely had to change. And so I was still working in technology when I had this transformation. And I actually stayed there for a number of years after I had healed. And I didn't even realize that I had high functioning anxiety until I didn't have it anymore. That's kind of the crazy thing. It was way after I had healed that I could look back and reflect and be like, wait a minute, that thing that I had, it had a name. And that was the same sort of, you know, like, you know, universe gift is I somehow came across an article about high functioning anxiety and was like, wait a minute, that's what I had. (laughs) I don't know. I chuckle now because it's like, you know, universe just drops little things for you. And so, um, yeah, it was just a natural extension for me to want to leave, um, technology after a while. Cause it really didn't fit me anymore. Right. Cause I had changed so much. I love that. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I know a lot of times that, um, just our jobs or careers or whatever industry industries that you are in can add this additional pressure and this additional kind of layer. The other thing that I really wanted to point out is you said that you weren't having panic attacks. And normally we equate anxiety, like with anxiety or panic attacks. Um, I know that when when I was a nurse so many, many, many years back, I worked in the emergency room and we often would have people come in who were in the middle of panic attacks and they would be, you know, just thinking that they were dying. And then we had, you know, like the lobster claws were always a telltale sign as well. Um, that people really were, you know, freaked out about. And so I guess I always equated like, well, I don't have anxiety because I don't have that kind of response. I don't have a severity of that response where I'm having the attacks. And I came to find in this last year that it started showing up in my body physically as well. Started having a lot of like neck and shoulder pain to the like severe pain. And, um, I just really resonate with your story because when you say you started treating the body and working on the body, like you started encountering emotional healing that you didn't even realize um, that maybe, you know, you needed or that could come from the physical healing. So I really resonate with your story. And I really wanted to point out, like you said, it doesn't necessarily um, look like what we typically associate anxiety with. I think is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I love that. And Christy, I do want to, you know, I don't want to gloss over what you just said about people going to, you know, the emergency room um, because our bodies are letting us know like, Hey, they're, they're trying to help you, right? Like, Hey, you're having anxiety. Hey, that chest pain, it's a a sign you're supposed to be paying attention to how you feel or that stomach constant nausea that you feel like you got a lead ball in your stomach. 
you know, and people don't, they're so unattached um, to how they feel that they can't even name their emotions anymore. They don't recognize that they're having them. And so their body just keeps giving them signals and cues that they have an emotion to feel and something to process, but they miss that as well. I mean, this is so common. I had two clients who have gone to the ER with chest pain because they thought they were having heart attack. And it's so incredibly common for people to not know that it's anxiety. And you know, this as a nurse, the majority of the time, from what I've read, some studies I've seen that most people going for chest pain, it's a lot of times it's a psychosomatic sort of response. It's not that they're actually having like a cardiopulmonary emergency. It's like stress or anxiety. I, yeah, I actually have my own story to share about that. Um, I have a lot of history behind me, a history of alcoholism and some trauma kind of surrounding that. And, um, I was driving one time to pick up my boys from football practice and it hit me out of nowhere. I just started like my chest started hurting and my heart started pounding. And I was just like, what is this chest pain? Am I dying right now? Um, you know, am I having a heart attack? And it's like, I'm 30, you know, in my early thirties at this point. And it was so severe that I, I had to call my husband and said, I have to drive myself to the ER. I don't know what's going on. You know, like I didn't feel necessarily anxious, what you would equate with, you know, anxiety, because, um, I can tell when I get anxious, all I get a lot of the, um, stomach or GI symptoms, um, kind of the churning stomach feeling nauseous. Um, and so, yeah, I drove myself to the ER and again, it was nothing. And after a while it went away as I was able to calm myself and, you know, so it's, it's nothing to be taken lightly. And sometimes that would be really frustrating as well as somebody who, um, suffered from anxiety and knew what it looked like, um, you know, we had often see some of our colleagues or the doctors even just kind of downplaying you know, patients or the symptoms or what was going on for them. Or um, a lot of times you might hear like, oh, they're just being dramatic or, um, you know, phrases like that. So, but I think that it's important to remember, I think everybody's experiencing it at some level, at some point in our life, um, we will experience it. I know that you shared some of the ways in which um, high functioning anxiety looked like for you. But what are some of the other symptoms people could be, um, you know, might be experiencing? Right. So uh, there's a variety of things. One um, has a phrase that I think is interesting. It's called lost time, which makes it sound like you have some sort of amnesia. But that's not what it is. Um, people who have high functioning anxiety are very concerned with being on time. So they actually wind up early for a lot of things. They over plan for themselves. And so they just will wind up wherever they need to go out in the world, a meeting, a doctor's appointment, anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes early. And that's a problem because high functioning anxiety folks tend to not be able to say no as well. So they take too much on, particularly at work, right? So their schedule is already overloaded and then they wind up showing up too early for things, right? So that cuts out time when you add it up 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there over the course of a week can actually be a lot of time. So they're already overloaded schedule. They're showing up way too early for things. 
And people with high functioning anxiety, they're perfectionists, by the way. I mean, haven't explicitly mentioned that, but all of these things go hand in hand, like perfectionism, high functioning anxiety and imposter syndrome. The the core is perfectionism. So people with high functioning anxiety tend to over edit, uh, over plan. They tend to revise things. It's like the equivalent of cleaning your bathroom with a toothbrush right? Like you're doing that as an analogy in your life, in everything. When I was working and had high functioning anxiety, it wouldn't just, you know, that phrase like, oh, I'm just going to shoot off an email. I wouldn't just shoot off an email. Like it's some three sentence email and I'd freaking read it for 10 minutes and make like wordsmith it. It wasn't like I was writing a email to the CEO or something. (laughs) It was just like daily email that like kind of myopic, hyper-focus laser, you know, attention to everything, making sure that everything is perfect all of the time is also another sign of high functioning anxiety. So you can see how these things sort of get compounded, right? Like you're spending way too much time making sure everything is perfect. You can't say no, you take on more responsibility. So then you're taking on too many things and you're trying to do all of those perfect. Then if you have somewhere to go, you're worried about being late, right? It's, it just winds up being like this pressure cooker, essentially, that somebody with high functioning anxiety is under all of the time with their mind constantly racing, right, about the things that they did do, wondering if they did them right or not and replaying the events. Oh, my gosh. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Yes. So when you first start working with somebody, um, what are some of the kind of, can't speak today. What are some of the kinds of things that you began working on with them that you have them start, start doing to start addressing this? Yeah, there's two, um, approaches that I'm taking simultaneously. And the first is to give them foundational skills, of recognizing, are they blocking feeling their emotions? Do they have a vocabulary around uh, naming their emotions? It sounds so simple, like almost elementary school sort of stuff, but they have been shoving their emotions down for so long that they actually need to do this fundamental work of recognizing like, wait, what am I feeling right now? So we do some key focused work on those just core level foundational things, as I mentioned. The other aspect of my work, which is very powerful, is we get at the subconscious, unconscious root causes of why they have anxiety. And that's, I mean, that could be a whole podcast on its own, but I have very specific techniques um, and methodology that I've honed uh, working over time to help people basically peel back these um, subconscious layers to get at the core reasons that they're suffering. And just very simply, I like to say that everybody has past experiences in our lives, right, that make us who we are. And those are trauma, whether people recognize it or not. And I I like to say there's big T trauma and little t trauma, because we have a tendency in our lives to compare ourselves to others. And if we think, oh, well, if I look at so-and-so, she had this horrific thing happen to her, right? That would be like the big T trauma. But if you think about like when you're five and something happens as an adult, you would look back and think, well, it's not a big deal. But when you're five, it actually was. And so those sometimes are little T traumas. If you look at them as an adult, you wouldn't think that they were things that would shape you that much, but they actually were. 
And those things really get embedded and like form your neural pathways and shape your belief system about yourself and the world and other people. And so those are the things that I help my clients really tap and sort of unleash is that old programming. It's like a junky computer code, right? Like running in the background and we need to rewrite it. I feel like you're speaking directly to me. Um, the big T and the little T trauma. I often will say I had a very uneventful childhood. Like it was, you know, it was fine. And then, um, you know, as an adult, I'm like, why do I have so much trauma? I've had had to do so much healing when there wasn't a big trauma because I've been looking at it like that. Well, there was no big trauma. So why, you know, why am I struggling? Why am I having these things? So I really love that you bring up that we have these little traumas. And like you said, just because we look back as an adult now and, you know, maybe um, I remember an instance, I was like seven and um, I was being babysat, my parents worked and she had a son that was my age and then a younger son. And she, you know, looking back on it now, I think that she had some issues of her own, but we didn't realize that at the time, but she wanted, we were being too loud in the house one day and she wanted it to be quiet. So she sent us outside and we kept trying to come in. And so she told us I'm locking the door and I want you guys, you know, not to come in. I'm locking the door. So I remember, and then we went and we played and we like wandered down the street and she came looking for us hours later and we got in trouble because we had like wandered away down to a field and, um, you know, and I remember now looking back, I'm like, that's not a big deal. Like you were fine. I don't even think she locked the door, but at the time it had such an impact on me of like, I'm on my own. Like she locked the door. What do we do? Like, where do we go? So I really, um, like I said, I really like that you bring that up because it's, it's true. Those things that we look back on and I say, that's not a big deal. That seven-year-old self, it was a big deal. Oh yeah. I mean, you were felt really unsupported and you were essentially kicked out of the house, right? Is what it felt like to you. Like you didn't know when you were going to be let back in. You didn't know what you were supposed to do. You're yeah, this like adult person who's supposed to be in charge just basically was gone and you, yeah, it was, that was I'm sure pretty traumatizing. And so you all took it, you know, tried to be resourceful and like, well, we'll go do this thing together. But in the back of your mind is like, wait a minute, when is, when is this going to like be right again? And I love that example because I can see how that could be really powerful um, for a seven-year-old. Right. But yeah, when you look back at as adults, like, oh, it's just a woman. She's like, Hey, I need a break from you kids. Yeah. So like how many times do I send my kids out, um, you know, and like go outside if you want to run, go outside, but you know, um, which is a little bit different. I've never, um, quite done that. I yeah, like locked yes, the door I've and never, said, yes. Like I'm locking you out because you know, you guys are driving me nuts. Maybe I have anyways, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> I say that to them a lot. Go outside. You guys are you guys are making me crazy. But um, so I, I really love everything that you've been sharing here with us today. Um, so you work with others one-on-one. Do you have any other ways that people can work with you or be connected with you? I see you have like a YouTube channel. Um, what? Yeah, I do one-on-one work. I do also offer a group program called Transform Anxiety to Joy. I offer that a few times throughout the year. And I have 
yeah, lots of amazing content out there on my website, which is theenergysynergist.com. I have a blog. I've been blogging, you know, for a while. I've got my YouTube channel. So I have lots of resources out there for people who um, have just really, you know, kind of resonated with what I've had to say today. Absolutely. And do you have any social media that we can follow you on as well? Yes. I'm on the Instagram and, you know, Facebook, all the, all the places. I'm really easy to find. If you search the word Heather writer and then the word anxiety, you will find me all over, all over the place. Awesome. And I will have everything linked into show notes. So if you do want to connect with Heather, if you um, resonate with what she said today, please go down and connect with her. The links will be in show notes. Heather, um, this has been incredible. Uh, everything that you have shared with us today, I know has been so helpful for myself, um, as well as I know that it will be for our listeners. So did you kind of have maybe a closing message for us or just maybe a couple closing thoughts? I guess I would say that, you know, the closing thought is just that, you don't need to feel stuck and alone, right? I hope that my message and my personal story lets you know that you're not alone, but also uh, anxiety doesn't have to be the rest of your life. There is actually a way to not have anxiety anymore. It does take work and it does take commitment, but that is absolutely possible. Absolutely. I, um, yeah, I love that. I say I'm a testament to that, that there's you're never, um, I want to say like stuck, you're never stuck in your current circumstance. You're never fighting this alone. You're never, um, it's never hopeless. So Heather, I have to thank you so much giving your time today to be here with us, to share your story, to give us tips. Um, just, this has been a wonderful time with you and I have to thank you again. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Self Project Podcast. I hope that you were able to find something useful or inspirational to take away with you today. So come and connect with me over on Instagram. It's at underscore Christy Martin. And let me know what you want to hear more of. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. And I will see you next time.